Well, good morning, Steamtown Church. Jason, thank you very much for leading us in, in, uh, in worship this morning. Um, my name is Peter. I'm, I'm the family pastor at Steamtown. And I just want to welcome all of you online this morning. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're continuing with our sermon series uh, through the book of Psalms, through, uh, going through some of the Psalms called Songs for Life. And so uh, we're going to continue this morning um, in this series. As I was, as I was looking through the, the Psalms this past week, a few of them really stood out to me. And Psalm 63 was one of them. You could take a second and you could turn there in your Bibles. I'll give you just a second here uh, to turn there. Psalm 63. You know, you see all kinds of emotions in the Psalms. But what stood out to me in a number of the Psalms was uh, this longing for God. Because if I'm honest with you, uh, it's, it's, it's just not something that I see in people very often, including myself. I hear people say that they want God to use them, right? I just want God to use me. They want to serve God. I just want, to, I just want my life to serve God. I, I hear people say really good things about God. God is so great. I hear people speak about being genuinely thankful to God. And that's all good stuff. Nothing wrong with any of those things. I want all of those things. But listen to the way David talks about God here in Psalm 63. Look with me starting in verse 1. We're going we're gonna to read all the way through it, verses 1 through 11. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and behold your, beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I will remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him while, in the, mouth, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. So he starts off in verse 1 saying, God, listen to this, he goes, God, you are my God. Now, that doesn't sound very profound necessarily, but it is. And I think it's the key to the whole psalm and the key to this longing for God that's so rare to find. Because unless God is actually your God, unless he's actually your God, you will not long for him. In other words, if you don't find yourself longing to know him, longing to be close to him, longing to experience a relationship with him, then he's really probably not your God. I believe the reason we struggle with feeling this way is because we have idols in our hearts that, we have, that have taken the place of God. That's what, that's what I believe the issue is, that we actually have idols in our heart, in our lives, that have actually taken the place of God. I've been talking to uh, the teens at youth group about this on Wednesday nights, and, um, and I've been telling them, look, an idol doesn't need to be some image made of stone or, or wood uh, or gold or other piece of material. An idol is anything that takes the place in our heart that only God deserves. It's anything we long for more than Him. It's anything we desire more than Him. 
It's whatever we spend our time, energy, and money on more than God. It's the thing we look to for fulfillment and satisfaction. And when we have an idol in our heart, it's impossible to speak and think the way David does here in Psalm 63. In verse 1, David says he's in a dry and weary land. Now, we know that he's in a desert, okay? We know David's in a desert, and he's in the desert because he's being hunted by King Saul. King Saul is out to kill him. And when you're in a desert, what do you do? What do you do when you're in a desert? If, if, if you get stuck in a desert or if you have to flee to a desert because someone's trying to kill you, what's the first thing you do? You look for water, right? That's what you do. <laughs> Where's water at? I mean, how long do you, can you run in the desert before all of a sudden you become very aware of the fact that you need water? What's your body craving when you're in a desert? Your body is saying, water, <laughs> water, we need water. Who cares about someone to try to eat? Who even cares about someone trying to kill you if you don't have any water and you're in the desert? What, would, what do you think, as I was thinking about this, I thought, what, would, what do you think your prayer to God would be in this situation? What do you think your song to God would be in this situation? I could just imagine my song to God, my prayer to God in this situation. God, Why? <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong. Why is this person trying to kill me? Why are you letting them chase me? God, now I'm in a desert. God, I'm thirsty. God, please. You said you would provide for me. God, where's water? I just want water. I just want food. God, please help me. I can just imagine my prayer crying out to him for help, water, food, safety, security, right? Comfort. I'm sleeping on rocks. It's hot. That would probably be my, my prayer and my song to God. But look at David. Look at what he says in verse 1. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He says, I long for you. I desire you more than the very thing that I need to live today. Even though there's no water and it's dry and hot and miserable, he says, all I want is you, God. You are what I want. That's all I desire. My soul is thirsty for you. My body longs for you, God. I mean, it's just amazing. It really is amazing. Are you struggling with something this morning? Do you have something that you need or maybe something that you really want? Are you worried about something? Listen, don't let it consume you. Don't let it control your thoughts and desires. You have to step back and recognize that God is your only true need. God should be your only true desire. He'll work the rest out. It reminds me of the words of Jesus where he says things like, listen, your father knows what you need. <laughs> Your father, your heavenly father, he knows what you need. He'll take care of all that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All the other things will be added unto you, right? Doesn't God take care of the birds of the air? Doesn't he provide for them? Your heavenly father knows what you need. Seek him first. All the rest will come in turn. Look at verse 2. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. So again, David's in the desert. Things are not looking so good. He's hot. He's thirsty. But instead of focusing on these things, right? Because when you're in the midst of it, 
When you're going through it, <laughs> it's so easy to hyper-focus on the issue at hand, right? The problem at hand. But instead of focusing on those things, what does he do? He says he remembers the sanctuary. It doesn't necessarily sound that profound, but remember, he's in the middle of a desert. Where's the sanctuary? Back in Jerusalem. <laughs> he's chased away from there. He's being hunted down. But he's sitting there in the middle of the desert. Things aren't going so well. And instead of focusing on the problems at hand, what's he doing? He's remembering, worshiping God in the sanctuary. Oh, man, it was so good. He's just thinking about it. I'm going to think about, God, I'm going to think about your power and your glory. Everything about the sanctuary would remind David of God's power and glory. It would remind them the way things were set up, the, the type of um, images that were around, the things that you would look at and see, the sacrifices, all of those things. It would, it would remind, God, uh, remind David about how God was creator, seated on his throne in heaven and yet with his people on the earth. And how this God made a covenant with his people and he made them into a great nation, rescuing them from slavery in Egypt, right? And giving them the promised land, bringing them into the land. And David focused on these things instead of looking at his sketchy circumstances. And no matter what you're going through this morning, you have a choice to make. Because it really is a choice. You have a choice to make. You can look at and continue to dwell on whatever it is that you're anxious about or, or that you're fearful about. Or you can remember God's power and glory by focusing on the fact that he raised us from death to life. God's power, he raised us from the dead. He raised us from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. He freed us from the slavery of our sin and resurrected our spirit by dying on the cross for us. The same power that resurrected Christ from the dead is at work in us. And that alone should be enough. Look at verses 3 and 4. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Nothing this world has to offer is better than your love, God. Your love is better than, he says, you're better, your love is better than life itself. So he says, I could complain about my situation, but instead, I'm going to glorify you with my words. Instead of complaining with my words, I'm going to glorify you with my words. If I'm going to say anything, it's going to glorify the one who has loved me enough to die for me. Do you hear what he's saying here? He, even if I'm dying, he's saying, even if I'm on my deathbed, which he kind of is, in a sense. In a sense, he kind of is. Even if I'm dying, I will only say things that will let people know how great you are. I will praise you. Men are searching for him, trying to kill him. And all he can think about is how much God loves him. Your love is better than life itself. Anything this world has to offer. Listen, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Our country's kind of in turmoil, right? Things aren't looking great. Maybe you're going through some difficult things right now, but no matter what's going on, just remember, God loves you so much. God loves you so much. The love of God should put even the worst circumstances in perspective. Our words should glorify God at all times. What a convicting thought. It really is convicting. Have you found yourself complaining? Man, I know I have. I know I have. 
I know my focus has been off at times. Because it really is a choice. Am I going to focus and dwell and think about how awesome the love of God is toward me? Am I going to focus on those things? Am I going to meditate on the love of God throughout my day? Or am I going to think about maybe some circumstances that aren't going so well? Some things that I'm not too happy about. Some difficult times in my life. Which, hey, they're real and you might be going through them. But what does he say here? He says, your love is better than life itself. What an amazing verse in the Bible. And listen, a lot of things can help with that focus. They might seem simple, but they really can help. I mean, think about just coming here weekly. Just weekly coming to worship with our brothers and sisters. Taking communion every week, remembering, right, the body and blood of Christ that was broken and his blood that was spilled for us, remembering his sacrifice that he made for us in our place. That God would love us that much he would sacrifice his son for us. Thinking about that weekly isn't a small thing. Remembering that together isn't a small thing. It helps, our, it helps with our focus. Being in God's word every day. Just reading this psalm, man, is what it's done for me. Being in God's word every day. Hearing from God every day. Praying to him every day. Those things can help. Look at verse 5. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Uh, you know, you know how you feel uh, when you're just eating like the best food ever? Jason, you know what I'm talking about? And that's why I like Jason. Jason loves his food. He's a good cook. He's sitting right there. He's like the only person I can look at right now. There's a few more. We're distanced like 40 feet away. Don't worry. But the other night was my mom's birthday. My mom and dad are in town. And uh, man, we had a good meal. We had a good meal. For appetizers, just listen for a second. Now maybe some of you might not agree, but listen, you don't know what you're talking about. Just listen. For appetizers, we had sharp cheddar cheese cut up, olives, fresh bread with oil, salt and pepper in there with herbs mixed into it. You know what I'm talking about? You go to them fancy restaurants, they give you the olive oil, the salt and pepper, and the, oh man. This is appetizer now. Filet mignon. Man, I, I cooked it. I cut it up, laid it out on a board with the cheese, the olives, the bread. Oh my goodness. It was so good. And that was just appetizer. Then for dinner, we had lamb chops. Cooked medium rare. Oh, so good. And then for dessert, we had chocolate cake with Charlie Brownie ice cream. Anybody from this area should know Manning's Charlie Brownie ice cream, the best ice cream in the world. It was so good. Every single one of us was just like, oh my gosh, that was the best meal. So we just, we were so happy. Do you see how happy I just got right now talking about it? Like just talking about food right now, how happy I got all of a sudden? Earlier I was yelling at you. Now all of a sudden I'm happy. You know, something about really good food that just satisfies your soul, doesn't it? Think about it. You ever go out to a really good restaurant and you, just, like, you sit down? You don't look around and see people like sad. When people sit down at a really good restaurant, they're just like, they're all happy to be there, just waiting in anticipation. Something about good food that just satisfies the soul. But David says, look, I'm in the middle of the desert. I barely have any food. But he look, my soul is completely satisfied in God like I just ate the best meal of my life. Again, the words of Jesus come to mind where he says, 
I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Think about people sitting there listening to Jesus say that. They're probably out in the hillside somewhere, right? They're probably hungry. (laughs) He goes, no, look, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry. You will be completely satisfied. I could satisfy you in a way that you could never have imagined. He says, I'm in such a good place that I'm singing songs of praise to God. Men are are chasing me, trying to kill me. I'm hanging out in the middle of the desert with limited supplies. I'm not sure what to do or where to go. But I'm going to sing songs of praise to God. Listen, if you're weary and uncertain, take your discontentment to Jesus. Bring it to him. We all have those moments. We all have things that that we're struggling, we're weary, we're, we're, we're struggling, we're discontent with something. Bring it to Jesus. It says he will never, you will never hunger again. It's amazing. Look at verses six through eight. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I will sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. You know, when you're, uh, when you're on the run, you have to take turns staying awake at night in case the enemy tries to sneak up on you, right? You're out in the middle of the desert. It's dark. You know you're being chased down. You know you're being hunted. The enemy's coming. You got to take turns through the watches of the night. Hey, whose turn is it? Who's going to stay up and look out for the enemy coming? David says, listen, all throughout the night, I'm watching you. I'm thinking about you. All throughout the watches of the night, I'm thinking about you. I can't see in the dark. I should be nervous right now, but instead, I I feel so protected, like I'm covered by God's wings, like God's wing is just covering me, like God is hovering over me. He says, look, I'm supposed to be watching, but God is the one watching me. Isn't that something? Any normal person would be watching, but he says, all I can think about is the fact that you're watching over me. My soul clings to you. You're the one holding me up and sustaining me. I'm completely dependent upon you. You know, it's not like David was always this spiritual, right? I mean, anyone who knows the life of King David, we know that he's just a man, right? Like all of us. We know that King David had some, some, some real moral sp- uh, failures and some, some struggles in his life. It's not like he always had this attitude all the time. So what do you think it is that's causing him to have such a godly perspective here? I think it's the absence of things. My dad actually pointed that out to me this week. I was talking with him about the message. It's the absence of things. The absence of food and water. It's the absence of comfort and safety. It's the absence of the sanctuary. It's the absence of comfort is home, right? When everything is taken away from us, we recognize and we desire God, our need for him. When everything is taken away. And listen, there's nothing wrong with having things and being comfortable. There's nothing wrong with having things and being comfortable. But we have to search our hearts and see if any of those things have actually become idols for us. Going back to verse 1, you have to ask yourself the question, 
is God really my God? Listen, don't skip over that. That's not a rhetorical question. Don't answer it quickly. Oh, yeah, of course he's my God. Is God really my God? Can you honestly say, God, you are my God. Nothing else is before you in my life. I desire nothing else beside you. Nothing else is taking your place in my heart. You are in the proper order of priority in my life. Number one. Can you say, that's not so easy to say. It's not so easy to say. And that really is what it all comes down to here. Look at verses 9 through 11. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in the Lord. All who swear by God's name will praise him. While the mouths of liars will be silenced. You know, he's so dependent on God that he has complete confidence in his salvation. He has complete confidence in his salvation. He says, I know my enemies, well, I know my enemies are going to perish. I know I'm going to rejoice in God. I will praise him because I will be alive, <laughs> but the wicked will perish. Listen, he knows justice will be carried out. He knows his end, and he knows the end of the wicked. He has this confidence. You know, when you know God, you can live life with a certain confidence because you know what the end looks like for you. You know God has your best interest in mind. You know, when you know God has your best interest in mind, guess what you don't do? You don't worry. You don't worry. You know that he's in complete control of everything. When, when you know God is completely sovereign, he's in complete control of everything. And he has your best interest in mind. You don't worry. You don't let your circumstances get the best of you. You could have this type of attitude and satisfaction in God even in the midst of terrible circumstances. So I just wanted to point out to you this morning, David's heart for God here, his longing for him, that's just so unusual to see. And if you're struggling this morning, you know, I, I do want to challenge you that maybe, maybe you don't know God. Maybe you have not come to know him through his son, Jesus Christ. I don't know who you are this morning watching today. So I do want to give you a chance. If you're, if you're watching online this morning and you're like, man, that sounds different. I, I really haven't heard those things before. I, that's a different way of viewing those things. I want to give you an opportunity. You can know God. You could have this type of confidence in him, this type of desire for him through Jesus Christ. God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. He died on the cross for your sins. He paid the penalty for your sins. And the Bible says that through faith in Jesus, you put your faith in what he's done for you on the cross, God gives you eternal life as a free gift. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that amazing? God will give you eternal life as a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. All you can do is say, God, thank you, and receive it as a free gift. Eternal life based on nothing you've done, but based on everything that Jesus has done for you. When you experience that salvation, that forgiveness from God, 
When you really think about it, when you experience that, man, you'll go, you know what? Nothing else matters. I've been forgiven. I've been saved. God loves me. God has forgiven me. You have a joy that just surpasses understanding, that can overcome any circumstances that you're going through. You'll want to share it with others. Even when things aren't looking so good, your mouth will praise God. And you'll want more of him. God, I want to know you more. Like Paul said, the Apostle Paul said, right? I count everything as garbage compared to knowing you. God, I want to know you. I want to know the power of your resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of your sufferings, being conformed to the image of your death. So if that's you this morning, why don't you take a minute and pray to God and accept Jesus as your Savior. God, listen, I just finally understood that, Lord, you sent your son Jesus to die for me. You loved me so much that you died for me. God, I believe that this morning. I'll put my faith in Jesus this morning. And then he rose from the dead, God. And I know that you're going to raise us from the dead, that we're going to spend eternity with you forever. God, I want that. Please give me that free gift of eternal life. Thank you so much, Father. God, we do want to pray this morning for a number of different things. Lord, we do want to remember Pastor Dennis this morning and his family. And not just Pastor Dennis and his family, but all of those out there that are struggling, that are suffering with ailments, that are going through difficult circumstances. God, those things are real. They're not fun. They're difficult. But God, we do thank you that you show up, Lord, that you overcome all of those different circumstances, Lord, that you're better than those things. As we saw this morning, God, even in the midst of them, People can draw near you and long for you and just experience you in a way that otherwise they might not have. God, I thank you that you give yourself to us, God, that you have this relationship with us through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for that. God, that your love is better than life itself. What a phenomenal verse, and and, and every word of it is true. God, speaking of your word, we thank you for your word that we can just read it and know you, Lord, as we see what you've said to us, God, as we look at Jesus in your word and how he acted and what he did and what he said, God, that we can know you through your son, Jesus Christ. God, thank you so much, Lord, for for blessing us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God, help us to focus on those things. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name.